Today's episode is brought to you by the Tax Defense Group. The team of professionals at the Tax Defense Group are passionate about helping taxpayers resolve their tax debt. Their services include basic tax preparation, tax audits, resolving large tax debt, and more. They actively represent taxpayers throughout the entire USA. If you need help resolving your tax issues, contact the Tax Defense Group. Call the Tax Defense Group today at 800-850-7973 to get started. That number again is 800-850-7973, and you can visit them online at thetaxdefensegroup.com. Are you thinking about starting a business or a side hustle? For all businesses to be successful, you need a website. Rider Junkie offers website development, content writing, and SEO services for business websites. Call Rider Junkie today at 805-587-7966, and you can visit them online at riderjunkie.com. We recently launched our website, ucaststudios.com. With articles about sports, special interest topics, and more, we have some cool stuff on our site. To read our content, please visit ucaststudios.com. Disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Lakers Outsiders Podcast. If you just heard that on audio, I'm assuming if I did it right, you just heard the sound of the play of the game tonight. Man, it gave me a heart attack. Uh, we're going to dive through our reaction to this Game 2 win by the Lakers, 105-103 over the Nuggets, thanks to Anthony Davis burying a three at the buzzer to really kind of save the Lakers in this one. But, yeah, we're going to dive into that. But before I dive in, I'm going to obviously <laughs> introduce my guest with me. My name is Gary Kester. Thank you for joining us. Hani Amadian is joining me today. Hani, is your heart still pounding, or have you, have you kind of relaxed a little bit? Um, I feel like I just ran a marathon. Um <laughs> Uh, to, to me, honestly, I was the hardest worker tonight. I, I definitely played a, a, a much harder and, and difficult game than any of the athletes on the floor tonight. And I think I should get about the same level of recognition as Anthony Davis, I think. Uh, I think we'll just give you a Popeye's chicken sandwich <laughs> and call it a day. But <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely crazy ending to that game. But before we do, do dive into that, guys, um, as always, if you like this pod, we're doing these live. We're recording these live uh, on YouTube, on Twitch, and on Facebook. So be sure to like us on Facebook and uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. You can also subscribe to uh, UCast Studios as well. As always, these pods are always brought to you by UCast Studios. So subscribe to UCast Studios on YouTube, Lakers Outsiders on YouTube, and you can follow us on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash Lakers Outsiders. Uh, man, yeah, let's just dive right on in we'll get to the chat so if you guys have any questions we'll save those for the end uh <laughs> as frustrating as this game was i, I don't know I, I guess my first thought was i felt like denver delivered one of their best shots and the lakers still found a way to win am i crazy for thinking that um i i think denver is a good enough team that i wouldn't necessarily say this was their best opportunity Plus, I would point to their last series against the Clippers. Um, I don't remember exactly what game it was, but there was a game where they kind of lost in a similar sort of situation where it seemed like they were giving it 
all they had. Um, and the Clippers ended up pulling pulling it out. And that was kind of the moment where a lot of people were like, well, I guess the Nuggets are done. Um, and obviously they came back from 3-1 uh, to be the Clippers. People forget that. Uh, so so I, I, I wouldn't quite bury them yet. But um, we, we uh, mentioned this on our last spot after the game one where we kind of talked about how uh, you know, the Lakers didn't really play all that well, but neither did the, uh, the, the Nuggets. And we kind of talked about how a lot of things went wrong for Denver in that game one, and we expected them to be a lot better in game two. And I do think they were much, much better this game, um, offensively and defensively. I, although, you know, they didn't score a ton of points, but I think their three-point shooting was a lot better for big portions of this game, although their percentage towards the end of the game kind of dropped. Um, they also got to the line a ton. Uh, you know, the free throw disparity last game was kind of a, a big storyline. This time it was flipped completely around. Um, so I, I think they did a lot of great things to kind of limit the Lakers, uh, especially on the uh, defensive end. And it did kind of feel like that this was just a really, really hard working effort from the Nuggets that still didn't ultimately get them the win. Yeah, it, uh, it was a really frustrating game for me. I thought the officiating was a little bogus, but, um, you know, it, it just felt like the Lakers weren't allowed to be physical like they were in game one. So I think they had a hard time kind of adjusting to that at, in, for stretches in this game. I also thought LeBron, after an amazing start when nobody else could score for the Lakers, it almost felt like he was a little non-existent in the second half, which was very obviously uncharacteristic of him. And I think I it, it was kind of like what we said after game one where – the Lakers won going away, and LeBron didn't really play his best game. Kind of feel that way about this one is that they found a way to win despite the you know the the calls not really going in their favor like they were in Game One. They were getting frustrated with that, and I mean the Nuggets just kept coming coming at them, and luckily the Lakers had the ball last. But uh, yeah, I mean I feel like we won't see a, a, a half like that from LeBron probably ever. Well, maybe not ever again, but like ever in this playoff run that we're on and. The fact that the Lakers just dug deep and found way found another way to win a game that was was tough, man. It was really really tough. I was a little frustrated with a number of things, but ultimately, I mean, they they find a way to get it done. And I mean, it's it's a massive difference, right? Going from potentially one one to being up two zero, and now you're asking the Nuggets to to beat the Lakers four out of five times to win this series. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we we kind of talked about this last uh, the the last show that we had where we. You know, we said we're going into game two feeling pretty good. And, you know, if, if they do end up losing it, it's not the end of the world. It doesn't feel like a must-win game. But, man, as the game was going on, it felt like it would be brutal if the Lakers ended up losing just because they had a pretty big lead early on. They blew it. Um, and then they had to play a really, really tough uh, second half. And, you know, like you said, with LeBron kind of having a, a, a pretty tough game in the second half. Um, and you're, you're right. I think this was – it's nuts to say this – in a game where he scored the first 12 points for the Lakers and had 20 points in one half, it felt like this was the worst uh, performance he's had in the playoffs, even even considering he's had uh, games this postseason where he scored, I think, 10 points or 15 points hmm. uh, in a whole game. This felt like it was his worst game. There were a lot of questionable decisions late in the game, and that fourth quarter especially, I thought LeBron was really not good. Um, but it, this is kind of the nature of this team that – not only are they deep enough to get performances and good performances from the role players, but Anthony Davis is truly good enough to take over for a half or a game at a time when LeBron doesn't have it. And the second half where he was going toe to toe with Nikola Jokic, who was basically carrying the nuggets on the other end, 
it was just it was beautiful basketball. It was great to see AD being that aggressive, um, hitting some incredible jumpers, and obviously hitting the game winner. But uh, it, it just just a testament to uh, this team being resilient enough that even after they won, I don't know, four or five straight games where it was pretty comfortable, they they, they were pretty much blowout wins. Um, that they didn't really uh, ever seem like they were going to lose complete control of this game. And obviously, one shot not going game means they lose, but I think the effort level and, and the way that they played um, to kind of just dig in and, and uh, really not let the Nuggets feel comfortable was very admirable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's this, especially this deep into the playoffs, I mean, it's just all about finding ways to win games because – they're not all going to be easy. I mean, as much as we would like every single game to be like game one where we don't even have to worry about it. And I'm wondering when I'm going to get my nap in, uh, (laughs) this game, you know, was what playoff basketball is like, and you're going to have to have guys make some big shots and other guys step up, you know, when your best players maybe don't have it. And LeBron after the hot start, I mean, he still ends up with 26 points, 11 boards, four assists, a couple of block shots. Just uh, felt like he was really settling a lot in the second half, and his, his jumper was was pretty far off. I think he had like two air balls in this game, but but yeah, I mean, AD yeah. steps up in a big way in the second half. Had two back to back clutch shots. Hits the floater to put him up by one, and then Jokic answered him, and then AD hits the the three right back in his face to uh, to to win the game. And man, it was just uh, pretty unreal, man. Pretty unreal how that game unfolded the the range of emotions i would say in like the last 30 seconds of that game where we get the crazy Jokic tip in after murray's uh i think a shot was blocked by kcp and then ad hits the floater then Jokic scores and then ad hits the three at the buzzer it's just it's wild man i i, I did not miss that about playoff basketball but <laughs> i uh definitely missed the the moments of you know ad or, or just your guys hitting a, a game winning three at the buzzer I was telling some people it was like we got so spoiled uh, by by all these blowout wins that we kind of forgot that like in playoff games your team it's very rare for a team pl- to play a perfect game in the playoffs just because the other team is also making adjustments and forcing you to not play your best game and man in the moment it absolutely sucked and was stressful as hell but looking back on it that Davis versus Jokic kind of battle in the second half and in the fourth quarter especially. That, that is truly kind of the moment of the playoffs for the Lakers so far, I think. Yeah, it was – I mean, just as a as a basketball fan, like watching those two play, you know, that was – it was really entertaining. But, man, it was, it was extremely frustrating on one end of the floor. But, yeah, I mean, that's kind of why I think, you know, I think we, we also said it. I think a lot of people said it. But when the Lakers traded for Anthony Davis, obviously I don't know if there's really any package you could say that you traded too much for a guy like Anthony Davis – uh, it was more like at the time they weren't bidding against anybody. So we were, I think, you know, we thought they could, could have gotten him maybe for less, but ultimately this is why you trade all your young pieces and picks. Well, minus Kuzma and hell Alex Caruso for that matter, uh, who, who might be better than Lonzo ball, <laughs> but, but we, th- we were this close to an Alex Caruso game winner, by the way, we were, like, we, we were. Man, that was brutal. I, I was I was losing it. I was like, damn it, we could have had a Caruso game. <laughs> NBA Twitter would have just logged off for the night. Would have gone to bed early. 
But no, it's it's crazy because especially with with Murray getting that block on Danny Green with two seconds, you're like, oh oh god, like we we've, we've got two seconds to get a shot off. Like this usually, like the, the odds of you scoring in that situation are fairly low. But when you've got two superstars, I mean, LeBron was the man in the first half, AD was the man in the second half, and that's sometimes that's that's all it comes down to. But the Lakers did get contributions from, from some of their other guys. Obviously, when you look at the box score, it doesn't look great. Danny Green had 11 points but was 4-14 from the field, missed seven of his 10 threes. KCP, another quietly efficient game, 11 points, but he only shot the ball six times, three of six, three of five from the three-point line. And he had a big corner three at the end of the shot clock that I thought was a little bit of a desperation three, but that was yeah. huge. But, man, to me, the, the role player that – deserves the most props and we've already brought him up is Alex Caruso I thought his defensive effort and intensity and just whenever when he came back into the game was just unreal like I thought he was unbelievable defensively today and it it created a lot of momentum for the Lakers early on and then you know he made some plays kind of throughout this game yeah this felt like maybe the I might be misremembering, but it kind of felt like the only game of the playoffs so far where we didn't get like multiple really good role player contributions. Kind of felt like LeBron and AD had to do a lot of carrying. Um, and, and, you know, guys like Rondo, who had who's had great performances, even KCP, uh, Danny Green, none of those guys were really great, although they had their moments at times. But yeah, Caruso kind of throughout the game was really great. And he had some big momentum plays like the you know the dunk in the first half that got everybody off the bench and got LeBron uh, racing out to the half court line to chest bump him um and then you know some huge defensive plays against Michael Porter Jr. I thought in the in the second half as well um he he really brought it on the defensive end and I think they needed that sort of intensity because there were times uh even though the defense was really good I think throughout the game there were times where the intensity kind of seemed to be lacking and they didn't really have the toughness um, that they've exhibited at other times, especially in the first game. Maybe part of that was how the game was officiated relative to the first game. Like you mentioned, they were allowed to be a lot more physical in game one than they were in game two, and it took it took some time to get uh, adjusted to that. But I think Caruso really, um, really brought it on both ends of the floor, I thought. Yeah, I thought he was a game changer in this game, and I thought it would have been fitting if he would have hit that three that would have put the Lakers up by two. Yeah. Um, but the way it unfolded was even better. <laughs> Yeah, yeah it's just just crazy, man. Just absolutely crazy. Like I said, the range of emotions in that game. I, the Lakers went up, I think, 16 at one point in the third quarter and then just couldn't deliver the knockout punch until the last play of the game. But, yeah, just unbelievable, unbelievable stuff. They really had to scratch and claw in this game. And I think these – I mean, these are the types of wins that are going to make you a better team, I think. You know, going through these situations together and being forced to – to really execute in these situations and and just like I, I say it, I'll probably say a hundred times on this pod, but finding ways to win games, like I, I'll, I'll always believe that the good teams find ways to win games even when they don't play well. And yeah. I, I've seen a couple of people bring this up, and I saw somebody bring it up in the chat. That three from AD, I think, was in the same spot of that Brooklyn game right before the NBA went on lockdown, where he missed that shot. And this one, he he buries it. I mean, it was nothing but bottom all net and. His jumper, man. I watching that replay and watching like Jokic try and like block that. I mean, Jokic is is another big. Like he's uh, what a seven footer, six eleven. Yeah. And I mean, AD's jumper. I I don't know how you really block that thing if he gets it up to to the apex because it's on, on that. It's I know Plumlee kind of blew an assignment there. I think he was trying to switch, even though 
uh, I, he wasn't screened or anything. So there was some mis- miscommunication there. But I don't, I'm not sure, honestly, what it mattered because I thought Jokic defended it very well. And AD just hit it. Yeah. Sometimes you play good defense and there's just better offense. And a guy like Anthony Davis is a guy that's just a lot of times going to just give you better offense than whatever defense you play. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of amazing. We went through this entire year. And one of the very big kind of uh, points of concern about the Lakers was Anthony Davis's jumper was not good. Like he was one of the worst volume jump shooters in the entire league this year based on his percentage. And this postseason, it's been the complete opposite. I don't know what changed, but the guy's just been on fire from both the mid-range and from three. And man, that, like literally any other player on the Lakers takes out a shot, Jokic is probably blocking it. That was how good his contest was. But AD is just a, a monster, man. You get a seven-footer running around the screen <laughs> for a game winner, and he pulls off, and it's nothing but net. That's just incredible. There's, I don't know how many other people in, in the entire history of the NBA uh, with that sort of profile can do that. Maybe Dirk, Yeah, and that's it. Maybe KG. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, remember when people told us that they're kind of wondering how Anthony Davis would play in the playoffs? Yeah. I, I distinctly remember a certain person that I've brought up multiple times on this podcast. I think he would be played off the floor against the Houston Rockets. <laughs> it's so funny to me, especially this is his first Western Conference finals and people wondering, you know, how's he going to play? Is he going to be able to, to handle the pressure, all this stuff? Like, there's a reason he's a top five player in the game right now. Uh, he's just unbelievable. And man, I, you know, <laughs> I remember at the time I was like, I thought maybe the Lakers gave up a little too much when they traded for him. Cause I thought, you know, they could have gotten him for less. I don't care. Like they didn't give up enough. Obviously yeah. he's, he's, he's shown, he's shown multiple times this year that the Lakers uh, still got away with highway robbery, <laughs> getting Anthony Davis away from the New Orleans Pelicans. It's just unreal. Uh, Polinka should be calling the Pelicans this offseason and being like, hey, you guys want a couple more picks for Anthony Davis? <laughs> like, you feel kind of bad about this. Just call them during the championship parade if we get a championship parade. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, <laughs> just unbelievable, man. Absolutely unbelievable. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to kind of dive more, dive further into this game and look ahead to game three of this series. And then we're going to get to some viewer questions. So just uh, give us a quick second. We'll be right back and then uh, we'll get to those questions. Today's episode is brought to you by the Tax Defense Group. The team of professionals at the Tax Defense Group are passionate about helping taxpayers resolve their tax debt. Their services include basic tax preparation, tax audits, resolving large tax debt, and more. They actively represent taxpayers throughout the entire USA. If you need help resolving your tax issues, contact the Tax Defense Group. Call the Tax Defense Group today at 800-850-7973 to get started. That number again is 800-850-7973, and you can visit them online at thetaxdefensegroup.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by Rider Junkie. Are you thinking about starting a business or a side hustle? For all businesses to be successful, you need a website. Rider Junkie offers website development, content writing, and SEO services for business websites. Call Rider Junkie today at 805-587-7966, and you can visit them online at riderjunkie.com. We recently launched our website, ucaststudios.com. With articles about sports, special interest topics, and more, we have some cool stuff on our site. To read our content, please visit ucaststudios.com. 
All right, we are back and <laughs> diving into this game. I apologize if I'm stumbling over my words a lot on this pod. I feel like I am. I'm still just uh, I'm on cloud nine right now, just buzzing from that game. The, the the Titans put me through like way too much anxiety earlier in the day, and then the Lakers decided to try and give me a full blown heart attack. So we're here though. We made it. We we got we got wins. Um, just yeah, it just just crazy stuff, man. I, I still am just kind of at a loss for words for how that game played out. But but this Nuggets team has been very resilient all year long. They've come back from two three one deficits. The Clipper one was obviously far more impressive to me than the the Utah one because I thought they shouldn't have been down three one to Utah in the first place. But uh, it's just important to remind everybody that the the Clippers blew a three one lead. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, also being that it was Sunday, my favorite thing about the NFL teams that blew leads today was that everybody compared them to the Clippers. So just, you know, people forget that, you know, you can't, you can't let people forget. While we're on the topic topic of uh, clowning teams that have already been eliminated, uh, PJ Tucker went on Instagram and said he would have blocked Anthony Davis's jumper. Did I see that right? I was, I saw that and I was hoping it was just Photoshopped. Like I, I, Dude, PJ Tucker. How do you you say that after you lost four straight to this team? You wouldn't have been in a position to block a game-winning attempt because they would have been beating you by 15. (laughs) He would have blocked it by grabbing his arm and hope he didn't get called for a foul. So I kept kept thinking of, like, uh, an announcer uh, on a a last-second shot by Anthony Davis yelling, oh, and PJ Tucker blocks Anthony Davis at the buzzer. Lakers win by 25. (laughs) (laughs) yeah man it's nba players nba twitter it's just they say some crazy things because the lakers are good and it pisses them off i swear like i've seen some crazy takes formulate because they're just very angry that the lakers are good so yeah i don't know but let's look ahead to game three i'm kind of looking at this box score and it's uh i thought it was kind of ironic I mean, we always point to these numbers, and I always just seem to notice them when, especially when the Lakers are wearing their their Mamba jerseys. But the Nuggets shot eight of twenty four from the three point line tonight. Uh, it always seems to be an eight and twenty four reference somewhere when they wear these jerseys, and it's pretty crazy. And uh, I think that somebody pointed out on video that Anthony Davis said Kobe after his game winner when he's running back to his yeah. teammates. So that's that's pretty cool stuff, man. Uh, yeah, just. I mean, I'm obviously, for those of you that are watching this and not listening to the pod after the fact, wearing my Kobe Lower Marion jersey because the Lakers wore their mama jerseys tonight and we had we had to channel that energy to, to come up clutch and come up with a with a big, big win and get the Lakers only two wins away from the NBA Finals and six from an NBA championship. But let's look ahead to game three. Obviously, the Nuggets get Jokic and Murray playing pretty well. I mean, Murray was 8 of 19. I think he was 7 of 12 at one point, so the Lakers really kind of put the clamps on him. But he was plus 16 for the game. Jokic had 30 points on 9 of 20 shooting. Uh, had 11 of 12. Was 11 of 12 from the free throw line, which was, I mean, over half of what the Lakers shot as a team. But yeah, obviously the Lakers are going to have to adjust, I think, to the physicality. I thought they tried to be really physical again today, and they got called for it a lot more. Obviously, with every NBA ref crew, there's going to be it's going to be different in how how they call the game. Do you think the Lakers? adjust to that or do you think they kind of try and come out and say hey we're going to continue to be physical and then it will adjust from there 
I think they're fine being physical because that's just kind of the nature of this team. You know, the big guys especially want to be physical. Your Dwight Howards and, and even JaVale McGee to an extent, they want to be physical with these guys. But I also don't think that they necessarily care about Jokic going off and scoring a ton of points because I like – you know, this might be kind of reductive, but, you know, Jokic scores 30 points way more than, you know, he usually wants to score. He doesn't really want to have 30-point games. Um, but And Denver also has one of their probably lowest scoring games uh, of the playoffs. They only score 103 points total. I think the Lakers are kind of fine if, if Jokic is being the guy that has to beat them, as long as they can kind of hold the role players and Murray to, to a pretty reasonable amount of uh, scoring, which they did today. Um, you know, like you said, Murray was kind of going off in the first half, but in the second half, they did a much better job defending him. Um, but I, I think the the physicality is more in terms of just trying to really bother Jokic. It's not even about uh, necessarily keeping him from scoring, which obviously is important. You don't want to give up easy points, but uh, just pissing him off, making him bothered, getting him in foul trouble like they did in game one, um, and, and just kind of having him, <laughs> having his mindset be more towards uh, you know, yelling at the refs to call fouls rather than being focused on the actual game. Um, I think if I think the Lakers are pretty set in their ways of how they want to guard him, I don't think they're really going to be changing that much throughout the rest of the series. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I would do, I would I'd like to see the Lakers adjust to in in Game Three is try not to switch as much with with Jokic mm-hmm. because there are way too many instances where you'd get a guy like Caruso or KCP guarding Jokic and. That's just, I mean, that's going to be problematic because then you do typically have to send a, a double at him, and then with his passing ability, usually that's when he kind of picks you apart. And I think that's kind of yeah. wha- how he wants to play. But yeah, I, I, th- that's the big adjustment for me is is trying not to switch as much on on Jokic. But I also, I'm leaning towards. I don't know if he starts Game Three. But I think Dwight Howard has to get more than 13 minutes. I was kind of a little confused at some of the rotation. I mean, he did have five fouls, but I thought he should have played more than than 13 minutes tonight. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. Both him and Markeith Morris, I was kind of uh, – I, I do want to know what Vogel's mindset to that was. Uh, you know, like you said, Howard only played 13 minutes. Uh, Keith only played nine or ten. Um, and, and I do think they – it might partially be because I don't think they either of them had really had great games, and part of it might have been uh, the uh, foul calling by the refs and, and not being able to play as physical as they did in game one. Um, but I do think that, you know, Dwight has been such a good matchup against Jokic defensively that it makes a lot of sense to at least mirror a lot of Jokic's minutes with Dwight. And, and to Vogel's credit, he did. Uh, Dwight, I think, only played when Jokic, Jokic was also on the floor. But I think he he could serve to get a few more minutes. The only worry with Dwight really is him being put in pick and rolls and not being able to move his feet quick enough against Murray uh, or being able to recover quick enough to Jokic. But I think you can kind of live with that, especially in those uh, in those lineups where he's playing with AD because it kind of allows AD to be roaming um, in the paint or or on the weak side coming back uh, coming back and getting uh, blocks or at least protecting the rim. So, uh, yeah, I, I do agree with you that I think Dwight should be playing a few more minutes in, in the um, in the next game, but I, I don't know if it's going to be a ton more minutes. I think it might just be still under 20 minutes, I think. Yeah, I, I would like to just see him get, get some more minutes because I think he's been good when he's been able to get out there. He was, another, he was plus 10 again in this game. 
uh, which maybe plus or minus didn't mean a whole lot in this game because Rondo was plus six, and I didn't think Rondo was very good today. But, yeah, uh, I, I would like to see him get more minutes. I like seeing Caruso get 29 minutes considering how he played, especially defensively, and, and he hits, you know, hit some, some big shots for the Lakers as well. So, yeah. I don't, I don't know if they, they switch up the starting lineup. I would I doubt they do. I wouldn't be surprised. And if it was my decision, I would probably switch it up and go with Dwight to start and just put him on Jokic from the get-go. Um, but they might be worried about get him getting in foul trouble, so I could understand that as well. But, yeah, that was kind of my, my takeaway watching it was like, I was wondering, I was like, how is why is Dwight not coming in? And then as soon as Jokic came back in in the second quarter, that's when Dwight finally entered the game. So I think it was like, we're going to let AD and JaVale kind of handle him in his first shift, and then once he comes back in in the second quarter, that's when we'll put Dwight in the game. So I, I see kind of what Vogel was doing there. I would just like to see Dwight get some even a, a few minutes when Jokic isn't on the floor because I think he can be – uh, pretty pretty effective when when Plumley is out there and and can really clean up on the glass and and do some some nice things defensively because Plumley is really not a guy that's going to stretch the floor or anything so you can the defensive coverage is going to be a little bit different when he's out there versus Jokic so all right let's dive into these questions I'm going to try to get to all of these thank you guys so much as always for for chiming in I, I love it when our chat's going off obviously this is uh a crazy game to to do one of these after but yeah it's 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 fun talking about this i missed these kind of playoff wins i really really did even with uh the the heart attack that comes right before it so uh let's see clippers would have choked yes they would have we we've seen that and i just want everybody to remember that the clippers blew a 3-1 lead uh, one thing i always like to do too and somebody brought up in the chat orange kobe on twitch brought this up in the chat as I like to watch the reactions, I like to go back and watch the game winners over and over and watch the reactions. Rondo had no reaction whatsoever. <laughs> and Orange Kobe, was, Rondo's reaction was like he bet on the Nuggets and then lost. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, he kind of played like he was betting on the Nuggets. No, I'm kidding. Um, Rondo is a little bit of a psychopath. It's insane. The, the kind of quotes that came out, uh, came out after this game, one uh, AD right after the game on TNT said that uh, he was upset about letting Jokic get to his right hand on, on the little uh, hook shot that he hit what seemed to be the game winner hmm. um, earlier. And Rondo in the huddle basically told him, you're going to get it back right away. And then the play design was still for LeBron. But <laughs> Rondo, Rondo told Vogel that he wants to be the one inbounding the ball. And then he passed it to AD. <laughs> so I don't know, man. Like R- Rondo's... Uh, Rondo's like five steps ahead. He's playing connect four while everybody's playing checkers. <laughs> <laughs> that is not how the quote goes, but it's it's applicable <laughs> for here. So, uh, <laughs> Rondo does love him some connect four. So let's dive. Okay, feels like the role players also aside from KCP and Crusoe didn't play great either. Yeah, kind of what we were saying earlier. I just felt like the Lakers didn't play overly well in this game. I think they did in stretches, and I thought that's when they put runs together. But yeah, I didn't think that they played overly well in this game. I did think Dwight was was pretty good. Not not obviously not on the level he was in game one, but I thought he was pretty solid. Uh, should the Lakers keep doubling when the Nuggets get the Jokic switch? We we just we talked about a little bit ago about not switching that, but when they do. I mean, you kind of have to throw a double, right? Depending on who it is. Maybe if it's like a Danny Green, like a bigger wing type, maybe you yeah. don't send a double. But if you get a guy like Caruso or KCP on him, you kind of have to. 
I also kind of wish, I, I think they should be at least more creative on how they're doubling Jokic, which I know it's it's easier said than done because you got a almost seven foot dude on uh, like six foot three guard. He's going to be able to back him down pretty quick and get a, uh, get a bucket. But uh, they do a lot of doubling one pass away and just kind of trying to trust those rotations. And when it's like a guy like Jamal Murray dropping the entry pass and he's just standing right there wide open for a three-pointer when you're doubling off of him, that's, I don't think that's good defense. So I, I would love to see them maybe switch it up and bring the guy from the opposite corner to kind of try and double uh, Jokic on the baseline. Just give him different looks and make him kind of think about it more than just making simple passes that he's obviously really, really good at making. Yeah, I that, that's the thing for me is like it's it's doubling is fine. It's all about who you double off of. The one the one three that they gave up to Murray because they doubled off of him one pass away. Like that's that's the stuff you can't have. You can't leave one of the hottest players going in the league right now to you know give him a wide open three because he's more than likely going to knock it down. So yeah, it, it's all about your defensive scheme, your defensive principles, and, and your discipline, and knowing who to to rotate off of. Obviously, if a guy like Jeremy Grant is out there, or even PJ Dozier is out there. Those are the types of guys you should be sending doubles off of. But sometimes it's, I mean, sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes those guys are on the complete other end of the floor. So Lakers definitely have some stuff to work on there. But I do think that they can clean some of that stuff up. Um, let's see. So we did that. Uh, if you could, oh, this is an interesting question. Uh, and Bevers, I'm sorry I didn't play well today. My offensive line let me down. But <laughs> if you could, if you could have a redo. Would you prefer Caruso hitting the three at the end for the win, or keep it as as we saw? That's that is a tough. It's tougher than you think it should be, because <laughs> on merit, your your superstar that you just traded a crap ton to get hitting a game winner at the buzzer is incredible, especially when it's a seven foot dude running around the screen and hitting a three pointer. But man, the NBA Twitter meltdown of the balding white dude that looks like a substitute <laughs> teacher hitting a game-winning three would be amazing. But uh, ultimately, I, I go, I, I, I like how it uh, how it ended up happening, only because I think Caruso is, is going to have his moments to have more game winners in the future and win Finals MVP this year. Yeah, <laughs> as much as I would have loved to seen Caruso's three go in. Uh, <laughs> Davis hitting the three at the buzzer where there was no time and we didn't have to worry about the Lakers getting a stop where stops seemed to be kind of a struggle there down the stretch of that game. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't change anything about this game. As awesome as it would have been for Caruso to hit the game-winning three, it was perfect. It was perfect as is. If it ain't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, did you see THT almost die celebrating with AD? <laughs> I did. I noticed that right away. Yeah. I, I immediately was like, who is that? And I was like, oh, no, we just broke the rookie. <laughs> I was. It's because he's in a polo, so he looks like he's a coach. And it's like, oh, my God, I hope he didn't kill Phil Handy. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, that was amazing. That's so funny. And luckily, THC gave us an update through Twitter. He said, LOL, I'm good, or I'm cool, or whatever he said. But seems like he's okay. Uh, he, he said just, that the, the knee that he got from Anthony Davis energized him. <laughs> Which means THC is going to get him in his next game and he's going to score a euro around uh, Jokic or something. We we got <laughs> to save THC, especially if we go up 3-1, just put THT in and that's that's going to shut it down real quick. But <laughs> but yeah, no, <laughs> I, I did notice that and I died laughing at rookie. You, you got to learn how to 
he's he's got to learn the ropes a little bit. You know, you got to learn how to handle those situations, and he'll get there. But it was definitely a learning experience for him. I'm glad to I'm you got, glad to see he's okay though. You got to turn Mirza's shoulder first, not not just straight into the dude's <laughs> knee. Like I said, he'll learn. He'll learn. <laughs> Uh, all right. If you had to give LeBron a grade for tonight's game, what would it be? Um, I, maybe like a C minus. I don't want to be like super harsh on him because the first half, it kind of felt like I think it was game two against the Rockets where he had a huge uh, first half because he was just like keeping the Lakers in the game. It kind of felt the same way even though the Lakers had the lead the entire first half. Uh, it kind of felt like he was just keeping them in the game because the offense was really struggling. Guys were not hitting shots at all. They were missing a ton of layups as well. But that fourth quarter really was like a really poor performance for LeBron, and it was absolutely, I think, his, his worst game of the postseason. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be too harsh on him because he, he was phenomenal in the first half, but by his standards, it, it really was not a good performance at all. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I would say first half probably an A- minus because I thought – when everybody else was struggling offensively, he was scoring. He was the only guy scoring right out of the gate for us, and I thought he played very well in the first half. Second half, yeah, I, I would say probably about a C minus, just given his standards because he obviously, to me, is still the best player in the world, and he uh, he really struggled in that second half. I thought he really settled for a lot of jumpers, and I would expect him to bounce back. He always seems to do it whenever he plays uh, kind of poorly, and I thought he played fairly poorly in that second half, and I – yeah, like I said, I would be surprised if he doesn't bounce back. So not going to be too hard on LeBron. I think he still contributed in a big way in this game, and I thought had some good defensive plays as well. But, but yeah, obviously he can play better, and that's an encouraging sign for the Lakers is that they won despite one of their two best players not really playing his nearly his best in that whole second half. So uh, have THT recreate the Isaiah Thomas versus Jokic moment. If that happens, NBA Twitter will break. Well, Lakers Twitter will break. <laughs> That is amazing. I want that more than anything in the world. <laughs> <laughs> we need THT to do that, like to tie the game. Lakers get a stop, and then Crusoe hits a three at the buzzer. That would be like the perfect ending for a game I think I can ever draw up for this Laker team. Isaiah Thomas played like 15 games with the Lakers, and he's always going to be just revered by Lakers fans because of that one moment. That is literally like a Renaissance painting. Is that picture of him just smiling after he drives past Jokic? <laughs> it was a beautiful, beautiful moment, and we will never forget it. So shout out Isaiah Thomas. But all right, what adjustments do you think the Nuggets will try to do for game number three? That's a really good question because I think they did make uh, a couple of really big adjustments into this game, which uh, is why the game was so much closer and why the Lakers really struggled to score. One was they were getting back in transition a whole lot better than they did in game one. Lakers really did not get out and run at all this game, other than a couple of uh, plays, including that that Caruso dunk, which was just a breakaway after he got the steal. Um, so that was number one. And the number two thing, I think they really crowded the paint uh, in this game compared to game one. They, they were willing to live with uh, Lakers shooters taking shots, and obviously uh, the Lakers did a decent job of that. Um, Let's see, they, they shot 13 of 36, so they took a ton of threes, uh, way more threes than they usually would in a game, um, and hit a, at a pretty average clip, but it was enough. Um, and I think one thing that really shows how much they were caught in the paint is Danny Green taking 10 three-pointers. He's a guy that doesn't really take a ton, despite being a good shooter. 
um, the fact that he took so many kind of shows me that they they were really playing off of him, especially to crowd the paint. And I think that's what uh, part of the reason why LeBron was struggling in that second half was because he really couldn't get into the paint. Every time he did, he was getting swarmed by four dudes and uh, he had a couple of charges called against them because of it. So he was kind of settling for jumpers. Um, so I think I, I think they stick to those two game plans. The only other thing, at least defensively, that I can think of them trying to do a little bit more is doubling Anthony Davis, which is something they haven't really done in either of these two games, uh, despite the Blazers and the Rockets both trying to do it quite a bit. Uh, and I believe Mike Malone before this game really kind of talked about how they don't want to do that. Um, so I, I will be interested to see if they kind of make that adjustment and say, uh, we're going to double AD and try to make the Lakers shooters beat us even more than they, they tried to do tonight. Yeah, definitely. I, that's what I was going to say. I, I was going to say they could probably double AD because he's just absolutely killing it and they just have nobody to guard him. Uh, I think, I think it was Shaq that brought it up at halftime, basically kind of echoed what we said in our series preview pod is that with, it's kind of the same thing with LeBron and AD. When it comes to individual defenders, Jokic is just too slow to guard AD, and everybody else is too small. And that's kind of the thing with, with LeBron. If you put like a guy like Millsap on him, who's a strong guy, he's just too slow. So it's going to be a team defensive effort, and the Nuggets are going to have to throw multiple bodies at these guys. I thought their, their game plan on defense, I was getting a little frustrated because there's a <laughs> I've complained about this in the previous two series because it's what teams are trying to do to the Lakers, especially when LeBron has the ball. They got guys just standing in the paint guarding nobody. They were called for it once in this game, but they just continued to do it. And there were a lot of instances I thought they could have been called for it, but weren't. And yeah, I think they're going to continue to pound the paint or pack the paint. And I think they might try and get out and run a little bit more and try and hit the Lakers defense before it gets set a little bit. Because I think ideally that's what you want to do against great defensive teams. You just want to get out when you have numbers and you can kind of get them while they're scrambling a little bit. Because there were, I mean, even on some offensive rebounds where the the Nuggets got that the Lakers were scrambling a little bit and the Nuggets got some good looks off of that. So I'm, I'm just really curious yeah. to see how game three goes because, like I said, Jokic and, and Murray combined for 55 points. They also got a good, a pretty good game from Michael Porter Jr. who had 15 points in 20 minutes. He was 6 of 9 from the field. Two of four from the three point line, and he had some tough shots. I, I, it was kind of like the Carmelo Anthony thing, where he, I think it was game three in that series, where he was just kind of going nuts in the third quarter, and I was like, I can live with this because I know the fourth quarter is going to co- come around, and he's probably going to start missing those shots, and, yeah, I kind of felt the same way about him, and you know maybe maybe I'm off in that assessment, but I, he's the type of guy that. If he hits hits a couple shots early, I don't sweat it too much because it's kind of like Carmelo and Russell Westbrook where it's like you're kind of living with those guys taking those types of shots. And if they're making them early, that's fine. But you hope they continue to take them and hope that the the percentages kind of balance out. Yeah, it's bold of you to assume that Michael Porter Jr. will miss shots if if you catch my drift. I don't really have anything else to say, but the entire time you were talking, I was thinking of that joke. So. Yeah, I, I figured. I, I knew I shouldn't have even have thrown it to you. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's that's. I, I did love. I, I did love uh, MPJ getting rejected by LeBron, just like you reject signs. <clears throat> okay. I mean, carry on. <laughs> I was gonna say something about Paul Millsap getting blocked on a dunk attempt by Danny Green, but I mean, you we took it another direction there, so. <laughs> That's one adjustment the Nuggets can do. Don't try and have Paul Millsap dunk on anybody. Maybe Rondo. Yes. But even then, Ooh. just don't. 
<laughs> oh, yours was anger, Rhonda, and you do not want angry, Rhonda. That's true. We just talked about how much of a sociopath he is. <laughs> uh, we d- last question we got was, uh, if Dwight doesn't start next game, do you think he should get first quarter minutes? I, we, I mean, we've kind of talked about that. I, I don't know. I, I don't really care, I guess, overall about first quarter minutes. I just think he needs to get a little bit more minutes. don't really care when it is. I, even if it's when Jokic is on the floor, even when it's not, that's fine. Because the Lakers kind of have their first quarter rotation down, and it's been yeah. pretty consistent. I think after that, though, let's maybe try and get Dwight out there a little more. Yeah, overall, overall I like that they're kind of mixing it up, and they're not necessarily going two bigs, then rotating to have a second uh, a second second big out there with AD, um, and kind of changing it up so that Jokic now has to guard AD for a few minutes. Um, I, I like that sort of just making Jokic adjust to how he's defending players. Um, but overall, I do agree that, that Dwight should just get more minutes. I don't really even care if he starts or not. I just I, I think he should get closer to like 15 to 18 minutes a game uh, than the 13 or whatever he played. Yeah, 100%. 100%. All right, looks like that's going to do it for the questions, which means that's going to do it for us in this, uh, this live pod. It's a good thing, probably a good thing we waited – a little bit after this, or we probably just would have seen seemed like we were uh, we were on something, because <laughs> I was <laughs> I was definitely uh, losing my mind right after Anthony Davis hit that game winner. So thank you guys so much for joining us. As always, guys, if you if you like the pod, we do these live after games now. I was really not looking forward to do the, doing this after a loss. So shout out to Anthony Davis for making sure that that did not happen. But we're always doing these live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Lakers Outsiders. Be sure to follow us there, and you can subscribe to us on YouTube, and we'll be live there as well. And like us on Facebook. We'll also be streaming there as well, all three of those. So you got plenty of avenues to check us out live after these these post-game pods and drop and jump in, and there's lots of ways for you, for you to get in the chat and ask us a lot of questions and stuff like that. And as always, guys, these these pods will be up on all those podcast platforms after the fact. Uh, so Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, they'll be up there. And you can also check UCAS Studios as well. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Gary Kester. You can follow Hani on Twitter at H-O-N-I-A-H-M. For those of you that are watching, it's up on the screen now. So no excuse. Go follow Hani. You don't have to follow me if you don't want because I tweeted a lot about the Titans. But So, yeah, uh, be sure to follow us on all our socials. You can follow Lakers Outsiders as well on Twitter and Instagram, just at Lakers Outsiders. Go like us on Facebook. And, of course, you can get all of our content up on LakersOutsiders.com. All right. We're getting out of here until uh, Tuesday, right? Tuesday is game three. There's no game yes, tomorrow. The NBA is finally allowing the West to catch up to the East because the, the Nuggets can't seem to win any of their series in under seven games. But, yeah, no game tomorrow. We're back at it on Tuesday. We will be back here again. So be sure to tune in after the game. Hopefully we're talking about a 3-0 series lead for the Lakers, and hopefully they'll be on the on the doorstep of, of getting into the NBA Finals. So thank you guys so much for listening. But we're going to get out of here. So until next time, this is Gary Kester with Hani Amadian and the Lakers Outsiders signing off. Shout out to Lakers, Nuggets, and Nevada Wolfpack legend, JaVale McGee.